0: Welcome to Full Access OK. My name is Skyler Cooper, and I'm here with Steve Berg. Glad to be with you. You know us from 1023 KRNG, Tulsa's news and talk. At least, I hope you do. Hope you're listening every afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. That's where you'll find us. On the KRMG Afternoon News, and of course, find us here on our weekly podcast, Full Access OK. And Steve, I think we're 20 weeks into this little venture now. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Indeed. In this episode, we had a lot of fun with. It's all about McNelly's Pub in downtown Tulsa. The full name, in case you didn't know, is James E. McNelly's Pub. And it's also about the owner, Tulsa entrepreneur Elliot Nelson, because we have found on Full Access OK in our search for interesting places that they were created by interesting
0: people. Yeah. Uh, McNelly's, not just the start of his career, Nelson's career, but also really you could say the start of downtown Tulsa's resurgence as a place for restaurants and entertainment, retail, and finally, uh, more recently and still to come, residential.
1: McNelly's, of course, is now just one of Nelson's many restaurant ventures, but he sat down with us where it all began on the corner of 1st and Elgin in the building that dates back to 1905. A
0: lot of history here. I was just looking at the sign out front. This has opened in 2004, and we're talking with owner Elliot Nelson, the the brains behind this whole operation. Thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Steve, you and I, as we were preparing for this podcast, we talked about the first time I came out here to talk to Elliot about an event, and you recalled coming out here to cover the opening of this place.
1: Well, it wasn't just the opening, it was when Elliot was first starting to renovate this building we started
2: december of 2002 on construction then it took all of 03 and then the first couple of months of before
1: it was a 15-month project holy moly so i'm curious to know what goes through your mind as you sit here in the seat at the place where it all started I mean, you know, I, and in some ways
2: it's crazy we're still here, right? I mean, I, um, I was 23 when we started construction. To, I was 25 by the time we opened. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, right? Which is probably why I did it in the first place. <laughs> uh, I don't think you would do it now if you knew um, what you know now then. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's been amazing. We've we've come this far. In many ways, though, it's taken longer than I thought, you know, for downtown to get where we are. But um, But it's great that it's happened, right? And so... When we opened McNally's, we were we tracked it. We were maybe the ninth or tenth place you could eat or get a drink down here. And now I think we're well over 150 total places where you can um, eat, get a drink, do something. So, um, yeah, it's, it's come a long way in the last be 20 years next March. Yeah.
1: That's curious to me that you feel like it took longer than expected. For me, it seemed like it happened faster than expected. <laughs> yeah, I guess
0: when you're in it, it'd be a little different.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so Santa Fe Square across the street, um, you can see out this window's I had the first drawings done on that in August 2004, and um, I just thought—I I don't know—I saw something that I thought this corner of downtown should be, and then it just took me a long time to get there. <laughs> what is the uh, the history of the name James E. MacGillan? Uh So, uh, my Irish side of my family's name Quigley, and when you grow up with the name Elliot in the '80s, everybody makes an ET joke all the time, so. I thought if I put Quigley on the name, everything would be a Quigley Down Under joke. Um, and I just like, man, I can't do that. So we took, um, people call my grandfather Nellie. Mick technically means son of. And then my dad's James Elmer, my grandpa's James Edward. I'm James Elliott, my, my son's James Edward. So James E's just kind of
0: all of us. So but we kind of made up a last name. That's really cool, I actually. Uh, this morning I was talking to a coworker about coming down here and she said, oh, does Nelson, you know, Ellies, Is there a tie there? So I, I thought, no, that's just someone's name. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very much where we where we got it. And Actually, we're we're building another little pub right now
2: um, over at 18th and Cincinnati, and it's gonna be called Bishop Quigley. There was a a bishop on the Irish side of my family at some point in the lineage, so we're we're finally bringing Quigley out. 20 years later, I'm not afraid of it anymore.
1: Yeah, let's talk about your. Tulsa Roots. I mean, you're a long time Tulsan, and I didn't realize until recently, until I did a little cursory research, that uh, Nelson Nissan Mazda, right, is your family?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So my grandparents both grew up here on my dad's side and on my mom's side. So my dad's parents both went to Rogers. My mom's mom went to Central, and my mom's dad went to Casha. So... You know, my family's been around here a long time, and my grandpa, after, well, he never served in the war, he was in training when the war ended, when World War Two ended, and then he came back to Tulsa to try and figure out how to make a living, and he, he started selling cars out of his front yard, and eventually started selling cars on 11th Street with his with his two older twin brothers. They had a car like called Swappin' Swedes. <laughs> uh, and then eventually he just kind of kept you know, getting car brands that he was, he had, um, MG and I think he had Peugeot one time. Anyway, so he, um, just got in the car business and then bought the car dealer, the Ford dealership in Broken Arrow in 1959. And from there, you know, was in the car business, Broken Arrow for a very long time. My uncle is still in the car business. My, my dad and my grandpa, uh, sold out to my uncle probably. Nah, it's been over 10 years now. So, um, but yeah, so long time been around, actually grew up coming downtown back in the day. And then, you know, obviously, it, um, as I got older, that, that kind of faded, but, I have a lot of pride about my hometown.
1: So, Did you ever think about going into the car business?
2: Actually, it's funny. In the late 90s, Ford had this idea that they were going to consolidate all their sales and own the whole thing, it's kind of soup to nuts, which is similar to what Tesla does now. So the, the CEO at the time was kind of ahead of the curve, but it was really hard to do. And so they came in and they bought out all the Ford dealers in Oklahoma City and Tulsa and Indianapolis uh, because they identified those as kind of like everywhere America markets to try it. And so uh, my dad, I remember calling him my sophomore year of college and said, hey, I think we're going to sell the car dealership back to Ford. And my grandpa had always told me, like, hey, you got to come back and run this stuff. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that kind of freed me up to, to then pursue some other angles. And I, I don't know that I ever would have, actually. I think it's more likely I never would have come back to Tulsa if that had been there, right? If I would have had to move back here to manage a car dealership, I don't know that – I would have done it i worked for my uncle a couple summers selling cars and stuff and i grew up in it washing cars and being around it and uh, i just don't know if
0: it was ever for me so did you leave town and go to college or?
2: yeah so i went to notre dame for school went to i went to union school all the way through kindergarten through 12th and then went to notre dame for school and i always thought i'd live in new york I and mean, that's just what high school me thought you know go away to school and then keep moving north and east but um I took an entrepreneurship class my senior year of college and wrote a business plan for, for McNally's Pub. And it was a fictional pub that was, you know, really just a class project at that time. But as I worked on it, I came home fall break and I was back home at Christmas. I was like, you know what? I think this might be a good idea. Like the bars are here aren't great. There are, I'd done an exchange in Ireland and loved Irish pubs. Like there's no real Irish pub around. There's nowhere to get a bunch of craft beer. And at that point, you know, craft beer was really starting to become a big thing on the coast, but nobody was doing it here yet. So. I thought I'd go to law school, and then I worked in a law firm one summer and realized that wasn't for me, and so it just kind of became something for me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go try to move home and make my hometown a better place, and
0: um, luckily it's worked out so far. (laughs) Two-parter here. How do you find this location, and what gives you the guts to start on this place? Again, like,
2: I was probably too dumb to know better, right? But this is actually the fourth location that I looked at and signed a lease on, even, maybe. You know, we where Gitwood is at Archer in Detroit. That was the first place we thought we were gonna go. Actually, there's a, where the Rusty Crane was, we were gonna be back there, and there was gonna be a steakhouse on that corner. Then the steakhouse left, and we were gonna take the corner. And so we actually had a lease on that corner of Archer in Detroit. And that is the lease I had in place when I went to England and bought all this antique pub furniture. I mean, all this stuff's well over 100 years old. Chairs haven't held up as well as the tables, but um, I went over there. That was summer of 22, bought, I don't know, thirty or $40,000 worth of pub furniture and um, shipped it back. And then when I got back, one of the partners in that development called me and said, hey, my other partner has embezzled all the construction funds, this project's not gonna happen anymore. So uh, suddenly I, it looked like I might be in the antique business, <laughs> um, you know, I had all this furniture and no place to put it, um, no pub. And then I, uh, I called Michael Sager, who my dad knew, and um, Michael was down here developing things at the time. We looked at the space where Yokozuna is now, um, but it was net, would have been next to the Westby Theater at that point. We thought, oh, a pub will be too loud next to the theater. And Then he sent me to David Sharp, which is now where Red Light Chicken is. We looked at that building, drew up plans for there, but I could never get it like I wanted it. It just wasn't quite big enough. Um, and then Michael introduced me to Glenn Stribble, who's my landlord here. And, and honestly, without Glenn and his wife, Joan, like taking a chance on me. And I went, I mean, I had, I just harassed them effectively until they said they'd lease it to me. But they brought me in this building. It was full of storage. All the walls were white. There was three feet of water in the basement. There was mold everywhere. Next door was a welding shop. Next to that, a machine shop. Across the street was a bookbinder and a, a cabinet maker. I mean, it was not where you'd build a restaurant, right? And, uh, but I came in here and saw, and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the building I've been looking for. And luckily, you know, Glenn believed in me. I mean I without him I don't you know, i never pull it together, right? He put a lot of money into the building too. And so and so then yeah, kinda of piecing it together from there, you know, just friends and family trying to raise money, signed, getting an SBA loan. You know, the banker looked at me and said, you know, ninety percent of restaurants fail, what are you gonna do when this fails? And I was like, Well, you know, go to law school and I'll pay you back. Might take me 20 years, but, you know,
0: law school is always there,
2: right? I can I can get into a good law school. I can, I can make some money. So, uh, luckily, it never came to pass.
0: <laughs> I think I started coming here in probably 07, 08. So you had a couple of years under you by then. But it seems to me that it was a, a pretty fast hit. Am I remembering that right? Or did it take a while? Well, you
2: know, down the street, there were a couple of nightclubs by the time we opened. Um, I'm trying
0: to think if they were there when we started
2: construction. Maybe one of them was, then the other one opened. But that drove a lot of friday saturday business in the early years so we kind of lived on late night bar business friday and saturday bar business and, and 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 some dinner business too but those early years you know we were probably 65 70% like alcohol sales you know it was very much like living off that stuff and today we're probably 55 or 60 percent food so the weekday lunch and happy hour and all the things that i really wanted this place to be and to really feel like a pub um, that took a long time to build and then over the years you know the the late night bar business faded as younger people started going elsewhere which is why part of the reason we built faster hall we knew that this place wasn't going to appeal to that demographic so we we needed something to trend a little younger and so um but yeah that that was a it was a slog right i mean i did i um I was the general manager, and I made eighteen thousand dollars that first year, and that was all we had left over to pay me. Right, so you know, I mean, you could never hire somebody <laughs> to run a restaurant for that amount of money. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I squatted in a rent house, my parents' own, effectively, and uh, my wife bartended. We lived off her bartending wages, and so it was. Yeah, it was. It was not great. Uh, and and one of the things too, you know, early on, like Sundays were just abysmal. There was no business to be had. Um, but I just had this belief that, like, if somebody comes down here and we're closed when they get here, they're never coming back. I mean, it's what it felt like. It was like, so we have to be open. We have to be open seven days a week. We have to be there. We have, it's just like this kind of you know, slow march into making it happen. And, and so that, that really, I think, long-term helped. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, Burger Night back in the day really tipped the scales for us. If, if we hadn't done that, I don't know if we'd make it. Um, that gave us a third night of the week we could count on. And so that was, uh, I think we started that maybe August or September of that first year, and just all the marketing dollars I had, which back then was Urban Tulsa and some other print advertisements, just like every week, was just $3 hamburgers Wednesdays, $3 hamburgers Wednesdays. Um, not everybody in town has one of those, but we were the first people really doing it, and it, um, it really tipped the scales for us. And you know, it eventually became this thing where Wednesdays were our busiest day of the week for several years, um, which kind of nuts.
1: Yeah. I think I know what tipped the scales. Sweet potato fries. Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah. Don't tell my mom that. Hopefully my mom doesn't listen to this. That was her idea. You know, the menu because of her. She saw it somewhere, and so you got to put these on the menu. All right.
1: What did this building used to be?
2: So this building was originally built as a a grain um, storage and and sales facility, 1915. Um, And then over the years, I think it kind of kind of kept that up and then in the late 50s it became Coors first warehouse in Tulsa so from 1958 to 1963 this is where all Coors beer that came into town uh, went through and so there was a loading dock on the back the beer would come off the train come into here there was actually the the walk-in wasn't here anymore when we started but the like pad of the walk-in was which was up in the front so the beer would come in the back go into a walk in there and then go out the front door into a truck Um, but from 1963 when Coors left until we started construction, it had been vacant. So um, it had uh, been, yeah, a lot of deferred maintenance. And then upstairs next door, you know, the sidebars is a separate building. Um, then the upstairs over there was a brothel at one point. You know, most of First Street was brothels. Um, Where Red Light Chicken is, was the last functioning brothel. It didn't shut down until 78 or 79. Um, So I mean, for a long time this was the Red Light District. Yeah. (laughs) Santa Santa Fe Square is the the old Santa Fe rail Depot and that's where all the passenger trains came in. So people get off the train and walk straight into the brothels, right?
0: We used to be um, our old radio station was at 71st and Yale before about six years ago they moved us. But Uh, You eventually opened the second location down there, which was fantastic went there all the time because it was so close Uh, At what point did you realize this thing was popular enough and successful enough? that You could expand it You know, it was just a lot of us just listen to your
2: customers, you know, kind of tell you what what they want (laughs) So we, we just heard from a lot of people over the years like man I wish you were out there. I would come more often, you know, like I love the beer I like the food, but I you know, it's just such a pain to get downtown so you know, it took us a long time to make that decision. I think we opened that in 2014, so 10 years later. Um, but that's kind of how we filled in a lot of the stuff we built. Even, we just opened a restaurant in Brookside called Jimmy's, it's a steakhouse kind of concept. And um, it was just something we heard from a lot of people in that part of town, like, man, I wish there was a, you know, kind of local steakhouse over here we could go to. And so um, it's always been that way, you know, just kind of listening to what we think the needs are and trying to fill it.
1: So when you first started, did you have the idea that you wanted a group of restaurants, uh, or did you just had in mind? I was just going to have a one pub downtown. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know, right? I, mean, I didn't have a master plan. I just um, and so much
2: of it here was just getting this one thing up and going. You know, that um, it was a monumental task, right? To just will this into existence, and uh, and then from there, I realized I didn't love running a restaurant every day, right? It just wasn't. I mean, I'm okay at like being on the floor and doing stuff, but uh, we have a lot of people around who are much better at it than I am, and uh, and who like it more than I do. So, from there, I started trying to do real estate. That's why the Santa Fe Square deal. That's why I had those first drawings, and I was like, you know what, I need to do something. And uh, but then it became apparent that getting into real estate development and doing big projects it was gonna just it was gonna take a lot of time. And uh, and so I kind of looked at, okay, what do I know how to do right? Which was build and, and open and operate restaurants. And so um, so we started doing that, right? And, and a lot of for me at that point, you know, we built this, and I I thought when the BOK Center got voted, so BOK vote, I think was September of 2003, if I remember correctly. And so, you know, I thought when that happened and then we said, okay, we're going to make these big investments downtown, that it would pick up momentum and go. And I looked around and it just wasn't happening, right? And so we just kind of said, okay, I guess we're just going to have to do it ourselves, right? So we built we had seven restaurants down here by 2010 and then the ballpark opened i think it was year the ballpark opened and so the ballpark then opens guthrie green opened a year or two after that and those were actually i think the things that finally kind of pushed over the edge where you saw a lot of stuff start to get built but for a long time we were just down here saying like you know downtown needs to happen we're just going to keep building stuff until it does it was never a master plan if it if you had a master plan you would have done it better or different right <laughs> it was just kind of like as opportunities came up and what we thought the
0: the neighborhood needed. I was up here for a birthday party last weekend upstairs and I noticed the sign with, with some of the brands that you've already mentioned, you know, Fassler Hall. We talked about red light but uh, you know i kind of surprised on some of these as i scroll through like i didn't realize dilly diner was your guys's same with elgin park some of these i don't even know because i think they might be in oklahoma city so uh howdy burgers of course is, is a product of you guys were all of these new ideas that were startups or did some of these get purchased into the group no no we've we've created them all from scratch so um, and that's part of i mean that's
2: the part i enjoy most out of this is is creating new concepts and designing them and kind of, you know, designing the menus, you know, what, I mean, what kind of glassware are you going to have? What kind of plates are you are going to have? How's it, you know, what music's going to be on? All those things that go into creating a new place is what I enjoy the most about the business, and so that's part of the reason we have all these kind of disparate concepts everywhere is that um, I can't focus on one thing, you know, so it's a problem. But um, but again, you know, some of that stuff, like, as we added down here, it was really trying to figure out what we thought the market needed. I mean, the Elgin Park, you know, we started talking to the The stadium trust owned that building. And we started talking to them about that the year the ballpark was going to open. It took six years to get that thing put together. But we just knew there needed to be a sports bar next to the ballpark. I mean, it just needed to be
1: there, right? So we set about building one we thought would work. How many more restaurants, how many more cities are in your future, do you think? Man, I'm not sure.
2: You know, so one of the things we've done is we've grown – is that I have given a lot of employees stock. So I think we now have um, 11 employee shareholders. And so part of the growth at this point is about creating opportunities for the people that work for me. Um, and, and building a company that's big enough that they can earn enough money to really fund a nice retirement for themselves. I mean, this is hard work, right? And uh, so for me, it's like, okay, the, gr- the growth has got to have a purpose to it, right? And at this point, we feel in large part like we've, done what we set out to accomplish in downtown, right? Downtown feels like it's better. And there's still a lot to do down here that we're working on. But you know in large part that when Santa Fe Square is done next June, on the you know, around the 20th anniversary of this place, it feels like the end of a 20-year project. So then you look and say, well what what's left? We have some brands we really like, brands we know we can expand to other cities and it's figuring out a way to expand those brands in a way that create the opportunities for all of the people that work for me to get more ownership to make more money and so that that's kind of the the goal of it so we don't know yet we don't know what those cities are i mean right now we've got just open on brookside we have a project 18 cincinnati will be open hopefully into this fall um we're building a little steakhouse at jinx too and then we're going to build an italian restaurant santa fe square so we have four restaurants we'll open pretty much within a year and then from there it's you're still looking at oklahoma city we look at dfw we look at kansas city we look at all these places all the time Um, I think it's figuring out what we think makes the most sense that won't won't kill everybody. At this point to me, that is one of the things that keeps motivating me is to try and, you know, pay back all these people for the years of hard work they've given me and, and hopefully get them to a point in their life where they can, you know, like I said, have a nice retirement and,
0: and think it was all worth something. Right? Uh, Elliot, as we close out this one, I want to tell you a quick story just about McNally's and what this particular spot means to me individually. Uh, I would come here with one of my best friends a lot right after we got out of high school and it, it became his absolute go-to favorite. And we came here on his 21st birthday and he was three months older than me. So he could go to the bar, but I really shouldn't have been there. And I sat at the bar and they said, Hey, you have to be 21. I said, Oh, it's cool. I'm just driving for him. Even though I was 20 and they were like, okay. <laughs> so I kind of snuck in there. Um, unfortunately he passed away in 2014. but. Every year on April 11th, we are in this building, his family and me and my friends, and we celebrate him because he loved McNally.
2: Well, I mean, I get goosebumps when you tell me that story. I mean, I, um, you know, if you look back at my original business plan, right? Uh, it, this place is about being a, a real, true pub. Which in Ireland, you know, the busiest time in the pub in those small towns is usually Sunday after Mass, and um, the whole town's there—grandparents all the way down to little kids—and those are the living rooms of those communities and. And that's what I always wanted this place to be, is to be a place where people build their memories and they come celebrate them here. And so, um, so that really
0: touches me. I mean, makes me know we did what we set out to do. Yep. Now, nothing against restaurant chains, but uh, we don't think McNally's would be quite the same place if it was a chain. And that's not what Elliot wants it to be. Now, we didn't even get to his other places, Wild Fork, Yokozuna, the Tavern, the Dust Bowl, though this really goes on. Just Google McNally's group to find out more.
1: Now, what he does want to be and what he's doing is a real estate developer. You heard him mention Santa Fe Square. That is a huge deal. And so we decided we needed part two of a podcast to talk about the many real estate ventures of Elliot Nelson.
0: That'll be our next episode here on Full Access OK. Thanks for checking this one out. Make sure you like and subscribe and share that podcast. This has been Full Access OK.